This is the Transformation Church Weekly Follow-Up Podcast. I am Justin Oswald. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Justin Oswald underscore. Uh, Usually with me is Brad Livingston, but he is out today. So we have back with us uh, our regular guest, the man, the myth, the legend, as, as Brad says, Pastor Dan Livingston. Hey, good how's, to be here. How's it I don't going? know about all that above, but uh, yeah, we add that in. Yeah. yeah. Well, you always try to make somebody feel good. That's Pastor, good. There you go. Pastor Dan, our founding <clears throat> pastor here at Transformation Church is with us. Um, for those of you who listen, you know, we've been last couple weeks talk about uh, Jabin. And um, so so Brad and his wife, Ashley, are out of town this week, spending some time together as they're, uh, you know, been doing, going through this this kind of this last few weeks. And, um, you know, we've kind of given Brad a sabbatical on Sundays. He's not preaching for this month. Um, so he, he's out of town. He's not with us today. Uh, he's with us in spirit, I'm sure. Uh, so it's just me and you, Pastor Dan. It's us. Yep. And uh, we, we greatly appreciate the TC family. Uh, everyone, uh, the community, uh, again, for all the outreach that we continue to receive, yeah. uh, you know, of expressions of love, concern, support, and uh, very grateful. We know we're not the only family that's facing a crisis right now, but uh, when it hits your house, it's uh, very real. And uh, But as with Jabin's sickness, also in his death, uh, we've learned a lot, uh, learned a lot about life and about ministry sure. and what people go through. You know, that you'll never understand until you go through it. That's right. So, um, you know, it's opening our hearts and our eyes to uh, uh, the needs of people that are going through these situations. And and, and you mentioned on Sunday, uh, you, you would hit, it seems like, I don't know if it's just the the, the devil at work, you know, but um, we have a, a, a lady in our church that's been in the hospital. Um, she was in for a few days um, that, that serves here in the church and then had a lady attacked um, by a couple dog, couple pit bulls. Yeah. Um, and I don't even know the details. I talked to her husband on Facebook, but I don't know if she was just at home out in the yard or what happened. Um, but she, she was released, but just kind of doing some healing at home. Uh, so it could have been a lot worse than it was. Thank, yeah. thank, thank God it wasn't worse than it was. But uh, just, man, people in the hospital and getting sick and everything else. So, uh, you know, we're just having to pray for those people and. Right. Like you say, there's a lot going on right now. So. Yeah, I mean, it's in life, you know, life yeah. in general. Um, people have their crisis, and regardless of what your crisis is, when it's your crisis, it's a real one. It is. And, uh, you know, I've had so many people go, you know, I can't relate to what you're going through. And I said, no, I couldn't either until, you know, I lost a grandson. But at the same time, um, my crisis doesn't necessarily mean it's worse than yours. That's right. Um, whenever you have one, it's a very real one, and, and it affects us. That's right. You know, and uh, I thank God for the church family. People say the church is dead. They've just been to the wrong one. That's, that's uh, right. The kingdom, the church is always going to be issues, but the kingdom's doing very well. That's right. And that's uh, our family has seen and experienced that over the last months and years. Um, you know, the kingdom of God is very alive, very well, very strong. And, uh, and we have been the recipients, uh, of that and very grateful for it. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's talk about this past Sunday. We were in week two of the, uh, flip the script series that we're in. And I, I really like this series so far. I love the whole kind of concept, I guess, yeah. that pastor Brad came up with, um, with the idea of, you know, when we look at even common Bible stories, 
um, and flipping the script on what's really happened. You know, we tend to, as we've said on last week, that we tend to, as as humans, as people, put our play ourselves in the place of the hero in certain Bible stories. When in actuality, it's it's not us. You know, it's right. it's uh, we we read David and Goliath and these, and that's kind of in our intro video. We, Brad mentions that, but yeah, we read David and Goliath and think we're David. You know, when, right. when really we're we're absolutely not. Jesus is, and uh, so you had you were preaching on Joseph. Joseph, right. Uh, this this week as and Joseph being a, a prototype of Jesus and a, a type of Christ in a, in a way. Uh, let's let's talk about that a little bit. Well, I mean, you know, we all grew up and I started the message that way. You know, out of all the people in the Bible and Genesis that uh, Moses talked about, uh, Joseph, he spoke about the most. And, uh, you know, there was great men there. You know, when you look at Adam, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, but Joseph uh, received most attention of all yeah. of them. And uh, so we come in there and we look at that and we often say, and, and he is, Joseph is a prototype of Jesus. And and you'll see uh, over a hundred uh, comparisons uh, throughout the scriptures of Joseph and Jesus and how they're so much alike. But we flipped the script and we looked at Joseph was more like his brothers than he was Jesus. Right. And we, and when we miss that, we, we, have this message that's not even realistic, you know, that we make Joseph out this poor guy that was just totally misused. And he, he was this perfect little spoiled kid. And Joseph had some major issues going on. You know, (laughs) he, he uh, had ego, he had pride, he had selfish ambition. He was very self-centered. You know, God had to really assign him some time in prison to work some of these things out. And so he was as much, like his brothers as he was Jesus. And so when we flip the script and we start looking at the story of Joseph, not through the eyes of Joseph, but through the eyes of being one of the brothers, it takes on a totally different story. And so that's what we were attempting to do Sunday, that let's put Joseph back over here with the brothers, you know, and now there's 12 of them, and let's go, okay, what's the story to us? Because we identify more with the brothers than we do with mm-hmm. Joseph being a prototype of Jesus. Yeah, yeah. So, so you 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 looking through your notes a little bit from Sunday, and you know you kind of talk about the story of of Genesis and what's going on there. Uh, do you want to talk about that, or we'll get right into the question of you know why did God choose Joseph? Well, if, I think it's very important, or we we fall right into the trap of so many when we preach on on Joseph that. Um, you know, God is always setting things up to where he can take a situation that seems impossible and work something miraculous out of it. He did it all through scripture and he's doing it through Joseph and the nation of Israel was in a very bad moral, spiritual place, Uh, family division and violence threatened the land, Uh, unrighteousness and intermarriage with the ungodly nations threatened the seeds, purity, Uh, global famine now endangered the entire covenant line. And God calls Joseph, and he sets him up as a place that rather than revenge, seeking revenge, he reconciles with his brothers and restores his family unity by extending forgiveness. Joseph settles his family in Goshen, shielding them from the ungodly cultural influences. Joseph preserves his family and the world during a severe famine. So we see that God took what seemingly was an impossible situation and he was preparing a young man that was going to be that vehicle that he was going to use. But what we have to be careful 
is that we do not set Joseph aside from his brothers and say God picked him because there was something special about him. There was really nothing special about him. Right. It was special to his biological father, but to God, he looked just like and acted like just one of the other brothers. He just happened to be the one that God picked, which gives me hope, gives all of us hope that we don't have to meet this certain standard. Uh, it's God's sovereignty. He said he knew every one of our days before we ever saw one of them. And he shows us that in the life of Joseph. So the question came up, why did God choose Joseph? There was really no certain reason other than just the plain sovereignty of God that he was handpicked by God for this situation. What I liked is you have in here um, Joseph's journey, his brother's journey, mine and your journey highlights how God's providence secures God's promises. That's right. I like that. Yeah. And it goes back to the scripture that before we saw one of our days, yeah, God already saw the whole he thing. He saw the whole thing. The whole journey. And so just like our family's going through this, nothing's caught God by surprise. He he knew this before the creation of the earth. Right. He knew that we were going to have a, a son or a grandson that was going to have a lifespan of five years. He knew the legacy that that Jabin was going to build and, and leave that we can carry on. That's so, right. um, you know, and that's one out of many things stops in our journey that were unexpected and i'm sure you've got them in your life mm -hmm. and every person does so in god's providence and god's sovereignty he has set the stage that we can see his faithfulness to the promises and the covenant in his word you had in here a scripture pastor uh hebrews 12 1 i'm going to read the scripture therefore since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us yeah i mean it's one of the scriptures that we've all grew up on you know but i think one of the key phrases there when apostle paul said uh, throw off everything that hinders the sin and so easily entangles and in the king james the word beset is used there in the original it means to ambush mm -hmm to catch us by surprise. And and all of us in our life have these situations that come up, or it may be a habitual act of sin or a struggle that we have, or it may be an unexpected, but that these things come to ambush us, to overwhelm us, that you know we take two steps forward and all of a sudden we get ambushed and we find ourselves three steps back. And Paul, he's speaking to us here, to, since we are surrounded by such a great decline, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin which so easily besets us or ambushes us. And and uh, I really like because he said plural when he talked about weaknesses, but he dealt singular when he mentioned sin. And if every one of us is, are honest today, I think all of us could say, if I could just conquer this one area of my life, if I could just really get this one area <laughs> under control, I'd feel like a pretty successful Christian. <laughs> right, exactly. You know, and uh, and all of us have it. It doesn't matter who we are. There's an area of struggle. Paul said he had a thorn in the flesh, and all of us have that area that the enemy's going to consistently come to. And if we are not careful, we're going to see it ambush us. That's it. So, so moving on down, uh, we're talking about flip the script, the message of Joseph and his brothers and us, um, you, you have, you know, don't give up on your dreams. Yeah. The whole message of Joseph, he's called the dreamer, you know, and when life isn't turning out the way that we had planned, we said, we must keep living, keep believing and keep dreaming. And so we, we turned the message then into 
putting Joseph back into the brotherhood, as we would call it, right? back into the family, not separate him from the brothers, but put him back into the brothers. And and what is the message that God's really trying to say to us? And, number, and the message is, don't give up on your dreams. And so then we started going through some points. Uh, don't give up on your dream, number one, even if things don't start off well. And we looked at Joseph, and obviously things didn't start off too well for Joseph because immediately when he shared his dream to his brothers, they became angry and jealous of him. That's right. And they started putting this plan together to bring destruction in his life, you know, to bring the dream to an end, to kill the dream. And, uh, you know, they even called him a dreamer. Here comes the dreamer. Right. They said when they saw him. And so uh, we, we talked about Jesus, that Isaiah said he was a root that sprang forth out of dry ground, that he came to the earth to redeem lost mankind back to the Father, but the, the earth, us, the people, we, we rejected him. We didn't want him, right? you know? And so it was like uh, he came like a root trying to spring forth out of barren ground. He, it didn't start off good for Jesus. You would think we would all be like open arms to him, like he's come to redeem us. Nah, he came to a people that rejected him. And then we looked at, again, the Apostle Paul and Timothy referring to us. He said, thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me faithful, appointing me to his service, even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man. I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. That no matter pretty much who we are today, um, as we begin to dream on what God's plan is for our life, we have to keep dreaming even if it didn't start off well. That's it. Because what does the enemy use the most against us is our past. His number one weapon is the failures and weaknesses of our past. That's it. And so we have to understand that our past has absolutely nothing to do with our dreaming for the future. And so um, Joseph, his beginning didn't start off that well. Jesus' beginning didn't start off that well. Mine and your beginning may not have started off that well, but we can't let it stop our dream. That's it. Keep us. I, I feel like the you, you said it with, with a lot of Christians is uh, and you when when you're in our position sometimes and get to counsel and talk with people all the time. You know, it's uh, a lot of times it's it's even sins that ha- they've been forgiving forgiven you know of right. as far as as Jesus is concerned that's what the 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 enemy throws back up in their face all the time and it's just like holding on and past bondage and things like that always it, it detracts you know yeah well i mean it goes back to you know the the whole the four step process journey that we have here at TC is know god find freedom discover purpose and make a difference yes and statistics show that 87% of the church world never leaves the freedom aspect and enters into their purpose. They stay stuck. Only 13% really enter into their purpose, right. even in the church after they're saved. Yeah. It's not a, not a salvation issue. It's not but, a salvation yeah. issue. It's letting go of the past issue. Right. You know, and, and never find the freedom. They never get through the guilt, the shame, the, you know, the, all the things that their past, their beginning in life, you know, um, created in their lives so now they stay stuck when they don't have to and so if you're going to dream you've got to realize that you got to dream even if it didn't start off that well even if your life you may have been a drunk an alcoholic an abusive person you may have gone through abuse you could no matter what the situation is that your life has been through you cannot let it have any say so 
and where your dream's taking you. That's good. So let's move on to uh, point two of the, you know, keep dreaming. Uh, first, if is even if it doesn't start well, the second point is even when those closest to you don't support you. Yeah. And boy, do dreamers face this, <laughs> you know, uh, people walk away from you because, you know, that's it wasn't the enemy that uh, betrayed Joseph because of his dream. It was his brothers. Right. And, and we have to understand that because rejection has never felt stronger than when you deal with it from family. And family is not always biological. It could be spiritual family. It could be, you know, biological family, but people that you feel like close friends, close friends, yeah. you know, that would take a bullet for you and you find out they got their fingerprint on the trigger. Right. You know, that all of a sudden they turn on you because they're not with your dream. You know, I found this out in life and it's the opposite of what we would think that people will mourn with you, but people have a more difficult time celebrating with you. Because there's a, a jealousy factor That's or good. there's a, a, well, God, what about me issue? And so or, or people have no trouble. From a, like yeah. a competition standpoint. Yeah, even. it's like, you know, oh, I'll grieve with you. I'll, I'll cry with you. I'll be sorry with you, you know, sorry for you. But all of a sudden you go, man, God gave me a dream and we're going to go do this. And they're like, well, I didn't have that dream. And they walk away. Yeah. You know, and Joseph found he thought his brothers were the ones he was safe to share his dream with became the very ones to reject him because of that dream. Right. His own, and, his and own we, brothers, his own brothers. And, and if you're going to be a dreamer, you've got to understand, you've got to keep dreaming. Even if those close to you walk away from you, you know, Job put it like this. He said, my relatives stay far away and my friends have turned against me. My family is gone and my close friends have totally forgotten me. Yeah. And a pastor friend of mine shared this years ago with me. He said, uh, and with a whole group, it wasn't just with me, but he said, every person in your life has the potential to be a blessing. Some by coming, some by leaving. Don't turn down the blessing. Right. <laughs> and, and you know, you, you laugh at that and you kind of, you know, but, and then you go, nah, but it's true. Mm -hmm. You know, everyone's not going to go with you. They didn't with Jesus. Jesus handpicked the 12 and one of them sold him out. Another one denied him publicly, you know, he, even with the 12, he had three that were his favorites out of yeah. the 12 even. Yeah. And then when it came time for the cross, none of them were with right. Him, exactly. Know? And, and so, you know, we have to understand that dreamers oftentimes experience some of the loneliest times in life and, and feel some of the deepest hurts through betrayal. And I said, Sunday, your true friends don't walk away from you. Mm-hmm. So don't chase people that don't want to take the ride with you, you know, that don't want to go. doesn't mean that they're bad people. They're just not supposed to be with you. Yeah. Uh, it's like first season. I believe people come in for a season and yeah. then they serve a purpose that God, you know, even, right. even God bring them in. And then, uh, and I, I don't necessarily think, I think that's a good thing. You yeah. Know? I don't necessarily know that. Well, I that's what I say. It doesn't make someone bad. Right. Not you at know, all. I'm not saying someone's that an evil person if they walk away. Right. You know, is saying that don't chase people that don't feel like they're supposed to be with you. That's it. Find out who's with you in this season in your life and let them help push you in fulfilling the dream that God's placed within you. And then you uh, use a scripture, Psalms uh, 27.10, even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord cares for me. So even in all that, you still got, you, we have one person to rely on. Well, yeah, and that's where I think it's very important that we, as believers, stay focused to the source of our dream, keep our focus on the source of the dream rather than the people that we're looking to to help fulfill the dream. Absolutely. 
you know, we get that reverse to where we start looking for the talents, the gifts, and, and all that's important. We need that. But, you know, Jesus said, my house will be a house of prayer. He didn't say a house of worship. He didn't say a house of gifts. He didn't say a house of volunteers. He didn't say a house of miracle. Yeah. He said a house of prayer. It's about my relationship with him in a very intimate way. And, and if I have that, then I know his presence is there. Then all of these other things fit in and it becomes fruitful. Yeah. You know? And so when we, when we build our dream around people rejecting me or accepting me, then I'm, I'm putting my focus there rather than on my relationship with the source. Mm-hmm. That's good. And then we lose the dream completely. That's good. Yeah. You know, and only Jesus can give the dream and only Jesus can fulfill the dream. That's good. You know, let's go to the, the next, the next point. Um, when, when you're dreaming is, is keep dreaming, even if your journey is full of surprises. Yeah, I, I could write that book. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I keep thinking, I keep telling God, you know, you only need one Job in the Bible and we have him. We don't need a second one. Yeah. And, um, but you know, life brings surprises Mm -hmm. and, and those surprises can kill your dream if, if you let it, you know, and, uh, we, we often go to Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for the good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose. You know, I never dreamed that, um, you know, I would bury my brother and stand by his bed, you know, way too early way and watch him go down to 68 pounds, look like a Holocaust victim and pray and pray and pray and, and ask God for healing. I never dreamed that, you know, I'd be standing by my son's bed for years, uh, you know, Tommy after a motorcycle accident Yeah, and, uh, you know, and watch God give a miracle that is a medical miracle. I mean, proven <laughs> yeah. medical miracle. I've, I've, you know, and we've experienced the, the thrill, man, the excitement, the faith boosting, the whole thing that here's a young man that laid on airport Boulevard, you know, dead. He died three times. And for 24 days, we were told he has zero chance to live. And then God gave us a supernatural, phenomenal medical miracle. Yeah. And Tommy's a witness and a testimony of that today. I, I never expected that. That was a surprise. And I got to see the hand of God move in a way that I've never, ever seen him move before. And then Jabin's surprise. You know, I had thought like every other pawpaw, man, I'm going to be out there on the side of the ball field sitting in a bleacher yelling for my grandson out catching a, a baseball, not sitting by his grave. Right. You know, talking to him that way. Surprise. And I can either let that go, well, you know, just kill, let it kill the dream then. Quit dreaming. Mm-hmm. You know, because the same God I prayed to to heal Tommy could have healed Jabin. That's right. So I can get angry. I can get mad. And I have. Yeah, surely. And I've gone through the roller coaster. Still do. I'm not through it yet. Sure. Uh, still go through the roller coaster ride. And, you know, and you can let these surprises, these, these negative situations, and even that turn positive like Tommy, uh, through the struggle of it, we can let it take away our dream and kill us, you know? Um, but one thing I've learned and, and I'm putting together a, a post for Facebook on it, but I, I went away for three days and spent with one of my mentors. Who's just a man full of wisdom and, and, uh, and just spent some days with him, you know, just to kind of work through me, you know, and yeah. all that I was going through. And, uh, cause I've really, you know, I, he's my grandson, but I've 
pretty much, you know, your old staff here. I've built my life around Javen for the last three years. And uh, so there's a lot of empty space there, a lot of void, you know, trying to figure out what do I do on Mondays and Saturdays and, right. you know. And uh, so when the first thing, when I sat down with my mentor, you know, he looked at me and, and I'm getting to the what I want to say. He said, are you okay? And that was the first question, yes. And I said, well, if I lied, you would know it, you know, so no, I'm not okay. And he said, well, I knew what the answer was going to be, but I wanted you to say it out loud because I wanted to come back to you and tell you, Dan, it's okay to not be okay. Yeah. And we've lost that message in the church that you're supposed to be okay all the time or there's something wrong in your spiritual walk. And, and I just want to say to everyone today, it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to, to be angry. You just can't, Jesus said, be angry and sin not. You, it's okay to have questions for God. It's okay to not want to get up and clap your hands on Sunday morning. It's okay mm -hmm. to not be okay. You just can't live there. And then he said, but Dan, it's also okay to be okay again. Yeah, that's good. You know, that it's okay to laugh again. You don't have to mourn the rest of your life. You know, you, you don't have to feel like you're wrong if you go out and laugh tomorrow. It's okay. You can grieve and laugh at the same time. That's right. And and we've lost that message in the church. We have to be one extreme or the other, you know. And if you're not okay, then you've got a God problem. No, I'm just not okay right now. I'm hurting. I've got questions. I've got void. I've got these things in my life. I've got a marriage in trouble. I've got children acting up. I've got financial. Whatever your situation might be that puts you in a place that you don't feel okay, Quit trying to put a facade on to everybody acting like you're okay. It's okay to not be okay, but it's okay to be okay again. That's it. That, yeah, you're going to grieve for a while, but we don't mourn as those who have no hope. If we believe that Christ rose again, he will return and bring those with him. And so it's okay to not be okay, but it's still okay to be okay again. That's good. You know, that's really good. That brings us to the next point to keep dreaming, even if it takes a long time to fulfill it, to fulfill the dream. Yeah. I mean, you know, we talked about Joseph where, you know, Joseph was in prison. He was falsely accused of rape and he's in prison and the butler and the baker have dreams. He interprets them and uh, he tells the baker, uh, you're going to be hung in three days and the birds are going to eat the your flesh from your body. And and not a good rapport, you know, <laughs> right. and then he tells the butler, you're going to be released from prison in three days and you're going to serve Pharaoh again as his cupbearer. And Joseph said, but when you see him, tell him I don't belong here. Tell him that I was unjustly treated by my brothers. Tell him I was falsely accused of rape. Tell him I don't belong here. And God immediately saw Joseph's selfish ambitions, his self-centeredness, his unwillingness of forgiveness, because if Joseph's brothers had come to him for help at that point, Joseph would have sought revenge rather than restitution and, and forgiveness. And God said, two more years in prison, son. Yeah. And God added two years to a sentence because he, he, Joseph wasn't where he needed to be for the dream to be fulfilled. That's good. And so we've got to realize that we have to keep dreaming even if the dream takes a while. Don't let the longevity or the time of the dream dictate whether we continue to believe in the dream. That's good. 
My dream now for Transformation Church is not for me to take it. My dream continues, and now it grows stronger for my son to take it, for you to take it. The dream didn't die when I moved to a different position. No, it increased. It increases. And, right. and I get to see it operate stronger now. It's healthier now than it's ever been. And my son won't live forever, and you won't live forever. No. You know, you guys are doing a phenomenal job. We're better than we've ever been as far as the church and organized and, and healthy and, and everything. So what do we do? We keep dreaming <laughs> and it. let the dream continue. I always said this. If, if I can live out my dream in my lifetime, it wasn't a dream. It was a thought. Yeah. Because our real dreams outlive us. Legacy. It comes legacy. That's it. And if it's a true dream from God, it doesn't die when we die. It continues on. And that's why we also have to ask God to help us in fulfilling that dream and setting the stage for it to outlive us. That's it. You know, because because I think you could have you could have handled it wrong. You know, and you you've talked about this a number of times when it comes to even the, the church with, you know, you wanted to turn it over to to Brad when you wanted to keep it the most, maybe. Yeah, no, I always said, you know, because the people asked me, would ask me, other pastors, not people in our church, but other pastors would ask me, how do you know when to hand it over? I said, when I want to keep it the most. Because that means it's the healthiest that it's been, and I'm having more fun than I've ever had. Why wear it out, wear it down, kill half of it, and then hand it over to somebody to try to resurrect it. That's right. You know, you want to hand it over when it's the healthiest. And God worked that out where we did. And now it's stronger than it's ever been. And and I'm excited about that. Yeah, it's exciting. You know? uh, I told my wife the, uh, just this past Sunday, before Sunday, you know, she was knew I was going to preach. And she was like, you know, you, you excited about this? I said, yeah, I'm excited to get to preach. I said, but I never thought I would say this ever. <laughs> I said, but I would rather, I, it's not, that's not my passion anymore. Right. I still love to preach, but it's not my passion. My passion is small group. My passion is to really pour my life into men one-on-one, you know, and God has shifted that as he shifted the responsibility. He shifted the passion. I would rather hear Brad preach every Sunday than me preach one. Right. You know, no one is a better preacher than me. He, he can add humor and all that. And I, I don't know how I'm like a bulldog. You bite, breathe and hang on at the same time. Yeah. And, you know, but he brings powerful insight and, and he's got a great gift and the people Absolutely. receive him very well. And my seeing the dream fulfilled is greater joy to me than, than even trying to be a part of it now. Exactly. You know, and uh, it's like the coach, the coach always wants to see the student shine. That's right. Well, it'd be different. It would be different. I I think this is just speculation on my end for you. If you were just done, like retired and didn't do anything, but that's not what happens. I don't think when you're in ministry, I don't, I know that you can do that. It's, it's like you said, it's a shifted passion. You still have the same amount of passion for ministry. It's just in a different way. Absolutely. You know, and now, and, and because we've also, we've also seen in our church and surely it's like this in, in most churches in our nation is this need for men to be the men God's called them to be. So you, the, the, the passion has shifted for you to want to take the years of wisdom and experience and everything else to pour into these people. Yeah. I'm loving it. You know, pretty much, uh, almost every day of the week, you know, I have 
one or two of the men in our church that I sit down with coffee or lunch or whatever. We were working that on the schedule. And then we're starting our mentorship, yeah, you know, coming ministry up. coming up here in the fall and our freedom groups. We're getting ready in the fall. And, uh, you know, Kathy and I both, um, it's like, it's been a God thing. It's not something we've had to try to, we're not contacting people going, Hey, I want to mentor you. It's people coming to us, I see. you know, that are new Christians, um, you know, wanting to be a better mother, a wife, a better father, a husband, a man. And, you know, and a pastor, can I have 30 minutes, 45 minutes of your time a week that we can sit down with a cup of coffee and I can just ask you questions? Yeah. I get more joy out of that now than preaching to 10,000 people. Right. Because that's the season I'm in. I, I know we got to move on. I, I, I want to say this because I think it's important. And I think other pastors may be listening need to hear this. You know, I, I was sharing with one of our overseers you know, the other day I said, it's like this. He was telling me how happy he was with the church and how glad he was to hear everything. I said, Brad is more prepared to lead the church as a lead pastor in this season in his life than I am to do it in my season of life. Right. Doesn't make either one bad or better than the other. I'm more apt and better to mentor right now in my season of life than than Brad Pastor is. Brad is in his. That's it. He's more qualified to lead right now than I am, and I'm more qualified to mentor right now than he is. Yeah, and that takes tremendous self-awareness, though, because you got to really, you can't let pride get in the way to, to even make that statement. You know, I think so many, so many times if, if you had a pride issue, I think the enemy could tell you that, you know, maybe you could do both. You know, and it goes back to what you said is you're holding on to something and like, you, you know, you're holding on to the church longer than you, you maybe you, you should just for that reason. Or, you know, you're setting it up where at some point somebody's got to come and resurrect, you, you know, resurrect a vision. But that's good. Well, I, it goes to our next three points. And we'll, I know our time's catching us because we talked about, um, you know, words of wisdom, you know, um, from the father. And I ended it with that. And I said, number one is uh, you got to focus on what happens in you, not what's happening to you. And it kind of goes with what we're saying there, you know, that we have to stop and realize if we're going to be dreamers, we have to focus on what is God doing in me versus what's happening to me. You know, uh, I could, like you said, if there was an ego or pride thing, and we all have some. Sure. Um you know, I could be going there. My I'm, church has been taken away from me. Well, no, you're the one that came up with the idea, you <laughs> right. know, but then the enemy can twist it. Exactly. You know, and, and so, so many different things can happen and we have to stop and look at, you know, okay, I've got a crisis. There's a situation that's come against me or I'm dealing with this surprise that we talked about. What is God using it? Joseph had to stop at every stop. And, I mean, you look at it, he's thrown in a pit, rejected by his brothers, but he found God's favor. They were going to kill him. Yeah. But God showed favor to him with the elder son going, no, that's probably not the best thing to do. Then he's sold into slavery, but he happens to be taken to Potiphar's house and shown favor from God. Mm -hmm. So Joseph's got to be asking all that whole journey, God, what in the world are you doing to me? You know, my brother's just rejected me. Now I'm sold into slavery. And then he gets to Potiphar's house and he immediately sees God's favor. And he sees that God's doing something in him, not to him. Then he's falsely accused of rape from Potiphar's wife and he's thrown into prison. Another question. God, what in the world is going on? Right. But he had to stop and go, 
I found favor with the jailer. I found favor. And, and he saw that at every stop, every surprise, Joseph stopped and saw what God was doing in him versus what was happening to him. Yeah, as long as you see yourself as a victim of circumstances, you will never accept yourself as a victor in life with dreams and purpose. True. That's good. Yeah. So that goes brings us to the second point of uh, the wisdom from the Father is your response to offense determines your future. Absolutely. You know, Genesis showed that Joseph responded to his brothers when they came to him, you know, in the famine. And we so take this scripture out of context, and we've often used it saying what the devil meant for evil, God meant for good. And that's not even biblical. Joseph didn't, he didn't refer to the devil at all. He looked at his brothers and said what you meant for evil, God has meant it for good. And and if we're going to see the dream fulfilled in our life, we have to be able to respond to offenses in a very positive way, in a very productive way. The Bible says that offenses will come. I mean, they're going to come. We're going to be offended. Oh, yeah. And if we, especially in the world that we live in today. But we're going to be offended, and offense has killed more dreams than probably anything. Is we no let doubt. other people's opinion of us, words about us, comments to us, whatever, we let that control where we're going in life and we miss our dream. That's it. And then you, you, you had in here, when you see your hurts, wounds, and disappointments as all part of the process of getting you where you need to be, you will embrace and fulfill your ultimate purpose in life. That's right. That's all part of the process. I like that. It's part that. of the process. You know, we've, we've experienced that like with the list of things we talked about, mm-hmm. you know, with my brother's death, with Tommy's injury, and now Javen's death. Um, it's all been part of the process that all, one, all three had the potential to kill the dream. Mm-hmm. You know, all For three sure. could have. But we have to stop and realize that all of it's part of the process. That's right. And that brings us to, uh, to number three of wisdom from the Father is every dream faces tough times, but remember God is always with you. Always. The psalmist said in 139, if I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. And it just brings us back to the beginning. We've taken a full circle that we have to come back and realize that if our fathers, our mothers, our brothers, our sisters, our friends, whoever forsake us, the one who instilled the dream in us is always there. That's right. That God is always faithful. That's it. That's good stuff. Pastor Dan, it's been awesome. Thank you for being our guest again on the podcast. And it was a good message on Sunday. I had a great time. Um, I think we had some people that uh, responded to the, to the message and, um, you know, even responded to the, to the call of asking Jesus into their heart and man, man, it's, that's incredible. So that's what it's always about. So we appreciate you being with us. We appreciate everybody listening to the follow-up podcast again. It would mean so much to us if, if you, if you are not following this, the the podcast to like and subscribe and and share and all that, we would, we would love to, uh, we would love to have you. And then uh, if you have any questions or or commentary that you can email, email us at follow up at transformationchurch.com and you can follow everything, uh, find TC, um, online at transformationchurch.com or on Facebook and Instagram at Transformation Pensacola. We appreciate you guys. Me and and Brad will be back next week with another uh, follow-up podcast. We will see you guys then. We love you guys.